Everyone hates their own voice, don't they? Right? Of course they do. I hate my own voice. I hate the sound of it. It is what it is. You just got to ride with it. Apart from me, you're listening to the Everyone But Us podcast. Straight from the heart of London. Yo, what's up everyone and welcome to episode 18 of the Everyone But Us podcast. Our first official episode of 2020. My name is Waymer. My name is Stephen. And my name is Lewis. Make some motherfucking noise, please. Yes, have it. Well, I'm going to go straight into it. Uh, we have a very special guest in the building. Another special guest. Another one. Yeah. Always a special guest, like always yeah. special guest. Why well, kind of extraordinary or extraordinary <laughs> guest? Then, right? Do you know what it is? It's this. Everyone wins a trophy generation. Isn't it? <laughs> He's like, think, what the fuck's going on? Here? <laughs> well, I was just wondering if like special guest is like special when you know your, your cousin Eddie's a bit special and you have to talk slow. I met this gentleman, gentleman back in nine. 1996, he played an integral role in helping build the Northern hardcore scene during the mid-90s. He was straight edge way before Lewis lost his virginity. That's, that's actually a fact. True. That's, that's, that's <laughs> so he's been straight sad. edge for one week. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. He's an architect of a sweat fest. And now works as a road manager for some very interesting bands, which we'll delve into later. So, would you like to announce the name of our guest? It is Sheep! Sheep! Sheep X. That's our name. Sheep X, man. Sheep X. X. How are you doing, my brother? The X's are very important. You can't forget that. Of course, I definitely can't forget that. I'm I'm good, mate. How are you doing? I'm good, man. I'm really thankful that you've taken the time to come down here and, uh, you know... Have a chat with us, man. Yeah, we really appreciate cool. it, man. We've been trying to make it work for a while, and you know, here we go. Here we go, man. And like a true friend, he came down. Your people talk to my people, and you know, we and managed I, to make the schedule work. It was a lot of money, but we think you're worth it, man. Yeah, was it, it two pound fifty, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a lion bar. <laughs> well, actually, no, can't be a lion bar because it's a lion bar. Yeah, it's, yeah. ve- it's not vegan, so pack you can't have Oh yeah, shit. We'll change it for something else. A tracker. Yeah. Are you not even a tracker. Not a tracker either. <laughs> Well, let's just leave, let's yeah. leave off the snacks for now. We'll leave that for later on. We'll, we'll Google yeah. some. But before we get into it, man, look, let's uh, loosen up here. How's everyone doing? It's a new year, 2020, happy new year. Yeah, happy new year. Yeah. Uh, I rang in the new year by throwing up for 12 hours straight. That was Ooh. good, oh, good, good start. Oh, it was <laughs> <laughs> You didn't break in. No, I got some kind of stomach bug. It was going round and uh, yeah. Oh, that sucks, man. Really, really <laughs> ill. But yeah, it's been yeah. all right since then, you know. Start on a low and you know, only up from there. Oh, that's, that's, that sucks, man. Uh, what about what about you, gentlemen? Anything good? Uh, I rang in the new year by trying to stay awake on the couch at home. That's what happens when you get older, man. The couch becomes yeah. your New Year's Eve party, doesn't it? Well, the thing is, New Year's Eve's the worst fucking night of the year. Why? It's, Why? it's terrible, man. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's, it's shit. Of, every dick you don't drink is out. You think so? Right, yeah. so nobody yeah. who can hold their fucking alcohol is out. You're six deep at the bar, so you can't get a fucking drink, and then you can't get home afterwards. It's a load of fucking shit. Well, at least it's free to get home on the tube and all that, right? Yeah, true. No, but you know what? The biggest knockoff is having to pay to watch them fireworks. Yeah, they've changed. Like, they've changed it now. Yeah, because before you could just go down there, like, because when I was younger, well, when I was like how old? 
about 16, 17, around them ages. Now, we used to all just go down there and just be drinking cider and smoking fucking little shitty cigars and shit. You can just go down there, people climbing up lampposts and everything. But now, you've got to get tickets in advance because obviously, we live in different times now, ain't it? Like security. Yeah, but you can see a firework from literally, what, two miles away? <laughs> so why a, would you pay to fucking... Big, yeah, it's yeah, true. It depends it's on true. the vantage point yeah. where you got to go to. If you go to Alexandra Palace or Primrose Hill or something like that, of course If you're you a sniper. Yeah. Where, I, where I live, we could see the fireworks going up. We could hear them fucking really loud and we could see them reflected in another block of flats over the road. Just <laughs> <laughs> in the windows. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that is peak lazy if you couldn't even be bothered to walk around the corner and watch them. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's, it's, like, it's like two miles up the road, but... Where I live now, right, my neighbour, every year, he gets fireworks, he gets a fire, does it, like buys some fireworks and does it from his garden. I'm like, this guy's paying for my entertainment, do you know what I mean? Like, Suck why would up. I pay to get fireworks when I know this dude's gonna like Some people do just, it every yeah. year and I can just watch his shit for if you're, free? Do you wait, know by mean? the way, if you're if you're if you're Wayman's next door neighbour and you're listening to this, <laughs> you're a sucker. Straight, <laughs> straight from Wayman's mouth. Yo, get some better fireworks, you said the shit. Yeah. Alright. So for those that don't know, Sheep, man, he's uh before we get into it, he's into skydiving. Have you done any skydives for the twenty in twenty twenty yet? Or have you got any plans? No, um I've only just got back home yesterday. I've been away for the first part of the year. I have actually What do you do? What get locked up for yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 I've not I've not actually jumped for a, for a minute I had a well, busy year last year moved, moved back up, back to England from Germany so I've didn't actually do any jumps last year either so I'm a bit bit behind you on didn't it. do no jumps last year nah I didn't didn't have time I'd it was I was a, I was a busy man I was yeah, just earning man. money you know so yeah, uh, yeah I, need, I need to rectify that well, how did you get into the whole skydiving thing? Have you guys ever thought about skydiving? You know what? Hell no. Like, I know Baptiste has done it. Oh, I know we're Lynn, Baptiste from Belgium. Lynn, uh, Vega Lynn, she obviously is, um, does a lot of skydiving and stuff. She's been doing it for years. I'm not yeah. sure she does it anymore, but I know she's into it. But for me personally, never. it's something that I would want to do. But at the same time, I'm like, you're fucking crazy sheep man seriously that's, that shit's fucking scary well I feel like it's just like some people want to do it and some people just you know like I, I've always wanted to do it like you see a video and I was like I look fucking right cool um, <laughs> sign me up but obviously it's, it's really expensive so I didn't have didn't have money to fucking eat for <laughs> yeah how much is it on average like, in, in, like well once once you've got your license and you've, you've got all your own gear and that it's, it's like 20 25 quid a jump okay so it's not like ridiculous but getting to the point where you've got your own gear and getting your license that costs a f fair wedge as well it, it's not a cheap shit. hobby yeah. it's, not, it's not like five aside on the weekend you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, definitely not. but yeah it costs a bit so once well basically once i had like had enough money i was earning enough and i thought oh i can i can afford to do this now and, and i did and i've been doing it since cool. not as much as i'd I, like but i've got a question is it better than sex Depends who the sex is with. <laughs> so the, yeah. Take your current partner out of it. Is it better than... Oh, current partner is, is <laughs> Rosie Palmer and her five daughters. So oh. yeah. <laughs> De definitely better than that. Um, it's... It, 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 What's it like, feel like? A, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's what sex? What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is that? Um, it's well, it feels like falling. I mean, <laughs> yeah. The thing yeah, is, it's, it's not just the falling See, that's the aspect. Bit that I don't like. It's, yeah. It's it's a sport in a sense. It's it's not just falling. Like it's not that hard to just fall in a straight line. But there's lots of different disciplines 
you know involved in it like trying to fly in a certain way or fall or whatever so like first you you know you start learning and you you fall out of a plane and you get stoked when you first few jumps is sort of sensory overload and you're like wow i just fell thirteen thousand feet that's pretty mental and then after that you start learning trying to do stuff you know and um every time you manage to learn something new it's just like you know you, you do a jump with a few other people and you've got a plan and you're going to do this that and the other and then you you don't fuck it up and you like manage to do it that just the high you get from that you're like mint it's just so good like and then every time you like learn a new discipline like wingsuiting or base jumping or any of that stuff it's just like it's all the adrenaline you get from like you know like falling out of a plane risking your life but also the achievement of managing to do what you was trying to do you know have you ever had any like close calls? Uh, definitely nearly killed myself base jumping one time. I'd um, base jumping, man. Fucking that's right. So that's where you just yeah. run and just jump off the like a cliff or a, cliff or a building or a bridge or, or whatever. Yeah. Is this illegal or illegal base jumping? By the way, I've done both. Oh um, really? Well, it all depends on the local laws where you are. Like there are some Fuck places you, know. you can jump where it's not against the law, but in a lot of places it is. You see that clip recently of that dude. Where there's those roadmans filming and he just jumps out of the pl- he just jumps out of the block of flats. Oh yeah, it's on the road. My, my man's gonna right. do a base jump. <laughs> <laughs> that was in London somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Like a council yeah. estate block. Yeah, some dude just jumped just jumps off his balcony, didn't he? Done a base Fuck jump. Yeah. Wow. There was another one. Where, what's that tower just near um, Liverpool Street? It's got a restaurant up top. Uh, begins with Q. The new building, yeah, it's quite high. Just, but yeah, when it's yeah, being yeah. built, someone jumped off that. That was on the yeah, news. They, they jumped the shard as well. The shard, yeah, that got jumped. That's in, that's insane, man. Yeah. Like, there's there's a lot of uh, research goes into jumping some of the the big places. Like, I've I've not done anything mad like that. I've just done like bridges, cliffs, and antenna and stuff. Jumped like off that, a curb. <laughs> <laughs> um, they jumped. They jumped. Uh, some guys jumped the World Trade Center when it was being built. The the new one. Holy uh, shit! And they didn't. Cause the thing, you you can't really tell people you've done it if you're doing an illegal one. You post the videos everywhere. You a risk run the risk of you know, law enforcement tracking you down mm. but also you blow up the spot people you realise people have been jumping they tighten security yeah. no one else can jump it yeah. so they jumped it didn't tell anyone no one knew they'd done it until like a year or two later when someone else got busted and it ended up coming out and, and then once, uh, once they got nicked for it they're like well we've been nicked for it so they put the footage up online but no one knew they'd done it for ages I ain't gonna lie right? if I jump off a building I want every motherfucker in the world to see it, man. I'm gonna be like, hey, look at it. I don't, I'm not keeping that shit to myself, nicked, man. You're getting straight. Everyone needs to know. Yeah, like, of course. Of course I, I know. Yeah. Someone's gonna post it on Worldstar when you hit the concrete. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Worldstar. Blue. I, I don't want people to see me jumping off a building because I will piss my pants on the way yeah. down. And when I reach the bottom, I'm gonna have a big wet patch in my jeans. <laughs> nah, you, you, it's not for me. You'll, you'll piss yourself before you jump. Probably, the, if you're jumping yeah. off a building, it, it's not gonna be that big of a jump unless you go like Dubai and do one of them really. I wouldn't be in Dubai, man. They chop your hands off and lock you up for like. Actually, no. Nah. They're really pro base jumping in Dubai. Oh really? Re- oddly, um, and I think. Well, my own personal theory is I think it's because Dubai is trying to attract tourism yeah. and that the, it's because it's a new city. It doesn't have like history or this kind of urban culture. It's just this new soulless concrete jungle. So like, mm. Yeah. So the, 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 the loads of people, they have like base jumping events and stuff. They had uh, two wingsuits jumping off the Burj Khalifa 
and spinning round it in wingsuits. Fuck. Oh, is that the one with the, the, the pad, the helicopter pads on the, top? The tallest building in the world. Oh, yeah. Um, they had to get special permission in that because the prince owns like like the top bit of it or whatever and there's all this oh, kind of stuff. Like, but yeah, there's loads of base jumping going on in Dubai, Fuck weirdly. Yeah, it's fucked. Did you ever watch that documentary about, um, it was a guy that was a sergeant and he was having an affair and he arranged he a jump his, for his wife. Yeah, he oh, his, fuck yep. his heart. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've, I've, it was, that was at Netherhaven. Yeah, I've jumped at that drop zone. Um, I don't know how he thought he was going to get away with it. Too Did, yeah, didn't he get... Didn't let's he get let's give the backstory. So, yeah, go I can't, on. Like, you actually... Like, I can't remember it exactly, but I do remember the outcome. It was like... He, he basically got, got tried. Yeah. And he, like got found not guilty or something. And then they went back for another trial then he got found guilty is that it? yeah he got, he, 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 he got sent down for it yeah he so got he, sent down for it in the yeah. end like yeah so for the people that don't know he rigged he arranged a jump for his wife and then he rigged rigged, he rigged the main it. parachute yeah. and what do you call it? the reserve, reserve. The reserve yeah. Yeah. he cut knots in it or something and then she's tried to pull it. it it's not hard to rig it to not open if you know what you're doing didn't she fall into like a um, she, su- of yeah, she survived or she, like she survived yeah. yeah which is do you know how lucky she was she still I, wanted to be with him or something, innit? Yeah, she reckons that she he, like he was innocent. Yeah. But all the evidence proved that he wasn't. And do you know what's nuts about it? When she fell, she fell into this loads of uncut what do you call it? Hay or whatever. Oh, okay. So and that was supposed to have been cut the day before or something, but it wasn't. And if it wasn't for uh, that, she would have fucking been dead probably. So if we want to, if anybody wants to get rid of sheep, you know, uh, <laughs> make sure. <laughs> no, I'm joking. no, I want to do that. Invited <laughs> Gaze Ron for interviewing. Tips on how to kill your mate. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm joking. Could man. just shank me instead. It's probably easier. <laughs> oh yeah, it's your boy Shug White. Friday, seven February, a non-hardcore night for the hardcore. Featuring sets from members of Proud, Cartel, and Nightmar. 90s hip hop, reggae, dance hall, garage, and straight funk at the best place to chill in London, Cafe Cairo. A friendly Egyptian themed bar on two levels with chill zones and tote stations. Plus a courtyard in the back where you can get your pizza on. This Friday, 7 February, at Carefree Cairo on Land or Road. 7.30 to late. Closest to Clapham North. Sheep, man, you you were living in Ber- Berlin for a bit, weren't you? I was, yeah. I was there for five years. What's Berlin like? Because we've all been Berlin and that's like the, the... I call that the mecca of punk rock and hardcore. Uh, it's I, such a party I, I, city. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Well, whenever I no, go there, it just seems like non-stop drinking, man. There's so many bars. All right. Berlin's a wonderful city to visit. Um, there's a lot going on. You know, there's a lot of cool touristy stuff. There's a big sort of party culture there. A lot of people going out and you know, bars and clubs and that. But And there's there's a pretty strong punk scene. There's like a very big squat scene there and stuff like that. And, and you've got stuff like Cortex and the SO36. And basically, the MAD type hardcore scene, like traditional New York hardcore, terror, you know, agnostic front, those shows will all do really well. Five to 800 kids sold out, right? But the DIY scene, the DIY hardcore scene is lacking, in my opinion. Um, Oh, really? There's there's not an awful lot going on. You know, there, there are people doing things, but it's just there weren't that many shows. Like, I remember blistered played there and that's when blistered were doing all right you know they were yeah. like you know new hype band in the uk there's probably like 200 kids a show or whatever and there was 10 people paid in 
ten people for to blistered see, in to Berlin. To see blistered. Wow, that's insane, man. I like, blistered, like, and I was one of those ten. You know, I'm just yeah. like, and, and at the time they were, they were yeah, a, a hype. They had yeah. the hype, like the, the, yeah. the kids they had a bit of momentum like. behind them, and it's like stuff like I've seen, you know, decent bands played to to very few people in Berlin. Um, so I, I didn't really dig it. You know, there's some there's some nice lads in in Berlin. There's not that many young people though. I mean, yeah. maybe I just didn't yeah. know them, but everyone that I knew that was involved in stuff is like my age or older do you know I, I, I see Berlin more as that like punk rock and as you said that New York hardcore sort of like the the bigger bands like Mad or Agnostic Front that's what people are sort of like more into in Berlin yeah. because like I never hear anything about like Berlin hardcore bands coming out and nothing you yeah, don't really hear anything at all like it's almost like it's kind of weird as well like I mean, it's almost I'm sure like a retro are, city isn't it yeah like a retro scene Rather than a, an up-to-date, like, current hardcore punk scene, it's a fucking retro scene based on the old shit. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you, what you're saying is right, because I played there about, I think, three years ago with Knuckle Dust, No Turning Back, Wisdom in Chains, and we had 80 people, may, 80 people maybe. Yeah. We was, we oh, was like, and that's we a was, solid package there. Yeah. Like, most of the parts in Europe, you're going to get decent decent number of folk but yeah. I mean but Berlin's got a lot going for it you know there's a lot of cool things about the city but the, the hardcore scene there isn't one of them and, and it surprises most people ask me that expecting you know because everyone knows Cortex and some of the legendary venues and the people expect yeah. it to be this big thing but it's only big for certain, certain American band. bands I think, yeah I see that as well but do you would you put that down on the fact that any big toy and band that's the main spot so every week they've got shows going in and out of Berlin so people are going to choose uh, Gnostic Front or Mabel obviously over a more well, DIY you, show because uh, people have only got so much money they you can't can say go that. To, you can say that of London all of those bands also come through London what band tours and plays Berlin and don't come to London yeah they all come to London yeah the London DIY, DIY scene is banging as well yeah yeah you know? yeah. yeah true so what's your thought what, what's your thought on it what reason would you give I mean, I'm I'm just a dirty foreigner. I don't know. You know, it's, it's not it's not like my scene. Um, yeah, yeah. What you know, when I when I moved over there and started going to shows, you know, it, it, it there wasn't like you know a decline or anything. I think at some points in the past, the Berlin scene was pretty good. You know, you you got some decent bands that have come from Berlin in the past, um, but they all died and you know like with a lot of, of local scenes they kind of coalesce around a band yeah. you know yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. A, a core group of individuals doing stuff mm. and you know if Berlin's not had like a, a really good popular local band to kind of help drive their local scene it, it's not going to help them it is kind of like a unique city out of the cities that you probably played in Germany as well. Would you agree with that? Like, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, there's everyone like, that's there is like a visitor, isn't it? A visitor, kind of. So, like, yeah, I've only been there, not. been there a uh, couple of times. So, I mean, obviously, I wasn't there for like a long time, but it felt nice to be there as like a visitor. But yeah, saying about the scene, it just doesn't feel like there's anything there. Like, it's just people who just turn up for the show, then they go. That's it. Yeah, yeah. But no, nah, man, I, I still would say that's one of my favourite places. Like, when you go to Berlin, you know that yeah. you're going to have it's an amazing a, it's a, it's time, It's a cool man. city to hang out with, yeah, you know, you cool. so much hang out so on the river, go drink beers in the street. Like, there's loads of cool stuff, especially if you're visiting, you know, it's, it's a yeah. good weekend away destination or whatever. Yeah, man. So, um, yeah, I was thinking when I f 
going back to when I first met you. I think I first met you in 1996 or... Yeah, it's when you supported Strife at the 1 in 12 club. Oh shit, so you, mm, oh, you October or wow. November nineteen ninety six. God damn yeah. man. Wow. <laughs> put you put you in check, didn't you? Look at <laughs> Windows ten over here. <laughs> <laughs> so like was that um a show that I can't remember who arranged that show, but we it had, was I think it was Lackey. Lackey, oh, Lackey. Oh, Lackey. Okay. maybe maybe Nick Royals was involved because Strifer on tour with Sepultura at the time. Yes. And they had a day off, so they booked them for the one in twelve. Yes, yes, I remember man. But we had a podcast with Pierre um, a couple of episodes ago, and we was he was basically talking about because Pierre knew you before he knew I knew you. I think I'm right in saying, and what he said was something along the lines of he used to look out when bands came over touring, if they missed London and they was playing up north, he would go down north to catch the band. And I think that's he said that's how he met all you guys. Can you remember the first time you met Pierre? I think it would have been at Sheffield Speakeasy, probably, um, that whole kind of period. Ray, you remember when, sort of, leading up to when Indecision played there and stuff, you had, like, a bunch of gigs at Sheffield Speakeasy's. Oh, right, so you might have, yeah. we might have met the same time then, um, so it weren't before then. So I definitely remember, like, a bunch of you London lads coming up to some of them shows around that sort of period. I think, I can't remember which one. I remember Schmuck and Blood Green, so before Schmuck turned into Canvas, it was like Schmuck, Blood Green and a couple of other bands played there. It's like where Foster was putting on gigs. Yeah. Um, Foster was like an old school... Um, crass punk or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Slash knobhead. <laughs> we'll get into that later on. <laughs> we'll get- Slash knobhead. <laughs> so, um, I, I, okay, I thought that you met, Pierre met you beforehand, but, but maybe not. So um, the first question we always ask guests is, how did you like discover hardcore? Like, how did what was your role to hardcore? <laughs> uh, so fucking lame. All right. So, <laughs> um, yeah. All right. I was at school, and uh, you know, it was like '94. Loved Nirvana, Rage Against the Machine, and I thought I was like, it's like the only kid at school that sort of liked that stuff. Maybe I thought I was the only kid at school, but then it was obviously like Nirvana Peak everyone was getting big and I just wanted to get into something else that no one else was into like oh, it's you, really sad was you the rebellious type yeah. then yeah yeah well I thought I was um, it's <laughs> really sad but I remember that's kind of what I was thinking and then I was just like I'm going to get into skateboarding because no one really skated at my school and there was this girl in my English class called Jody. And she was like, oh, skaters listen to hardcore, man. So I was like, all right, well, I'm going to listen to hardcore then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was it. <laughs> and then I went, went on a journey of exploration from there, trying to like... Wait, wait, wait. You know. are, you, are you saying you're into hardcore because a girl told you to? <laughs> <laughs> See, you... 100%, unfortunately. <laughs> See, you say it's a lame question, but how nuts is that? Yeah, yeah. Well, and then, cool. If you never had that conversation, we might not be sitting there now. Yeah, well... Yeah, so she she was a bit of a grunge herself, but she was like, oh yeah, all hardcore kids, all skates listen to hardcore. And then, like, my first real contact with the hardcore kids was was the Schmuck Boys. Like, how did you meet them? Oof, um, I think it just mutual friends and stuff because they lived the, the Sutcliffe brothers. They lived on my road. It was the a Sutcliffe long- brothers. It sounds, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a bunch of monsters, isn't it? My head literally just went, "Don't say it, don't say it." <laughs> <laughs> The, the Yorkshire Dons of Crime, uh, John and Andy Suckler. No, no. Check this out, right? The Suckler brothers, their dad was in the Grumbleweeds. 
The Gwombleweeds? Yeah. yeah. You remember them? No. No, look, Google it. The Gwombleweeds. Gwomble they? They <laughs> I've never heard of I'm, them. I'm just going to, anyone listening to this, you know, bit of UK hardcore trivia, just look up the Gwombleweeds. Gwombleweeds. And we've got Lewis's um, uh, searching away. Wow. The Grumbleweeds are an award-winning British comedy band performing music and comedy. They were mostly popular on radio and television in the 1980s, including the Grumbleweeds radio show, which ran from 79 to 88. <laughs> they're, like some, they're like a comedy rock band. Yeah, man's obviously got good musical genes because he, uh, he fathered Canvas, basically, which is like one, wow, of, one of the wow. best bands ever. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, like, I met them. And, you know, obviously back then it was like tape trading and, and a very sort of slow exploration but that was you know the peak of the vegan straight edge metal victory era for me like 95 when i first started going to shows um so like that's all the stuff i got copied you know people weren't making me tapes with minor threat and black flag on it it was making me tapes with strife and broken snapcase and 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 that ilk on there so that's kind of where i entered from and just coming back to the Sutcliffe brothers, um, would, would you say that you had a ripping good time with them? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> oh, I. We can yeah. continue now. I, I needed to get the money out. <laughs> you to get it while I didn't you? I was like, bursting to get it out. So how, Sorry, John and Andy. How did yeah. the, 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 the Northern scene develop then? Because when I came down, you guys like had a fully, your scene was more or less like fucking... Do you know what I mean? Fully active, man. You well, was you was ahead of London. Do you know what I mean? There was there was a lot of hard work gone in to that b- before I ever even you know had heard of the, the, the whole thing. You look at you know the Northern Wolf Pack in the early nineties, uh, Lecky, Nick Royals, and a lot of the people you know a lot of the sort of legendary Wigan shows and stuff like that. Um, in so the, Northern the, Wolf Pack that was like a crew, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, but not in the American sense where they beat people senseless for no reason. <laughs> you know, like, and it was a straight edge crew, right? Yeah. Or was it just more, a hardcore more or less, crew? I think. I don't, okay. I don't. I don't. I don't know if they were exclusively you say more collective, edge, right? Yeah, well, it was based more out of the the northeast, you know, because obviously Lecky's originally from from that way, yeah. and a lot of those lads involved were all we're all uh, from the northeast and so yeah like when i first started going going to shows like shit was fairly healthy um for the for the time obviously you remember back then compared to the stuff we've got now the scene in the uk in any part of the uk was comparatively small you know like 50 kids at a show back then was a good turnout you know? yeah like, yeah it was yeah yeah the uh, the very first show i ever went to was was shelter playing with Voorhees and that was at the Duchess and that was what like a 200 250 cap room and those were like the big shows yeah, which yeah, obviously yeah, like yeah. 200 for an American touring band is, is kind of a small show these days yeah yeah, for, yeah, yeah you yeah. know that's like the the smaller end of things and the bigger ones are at least you know four or five hundred so it was, it was very much small, but yeah, people, a lot of people doing stuff. You had the one in 12 club you know a lot of shows going on there I just love that club man. Um, it's still, that, still going you still have shows there? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, Fireburn recorded there with Bry Doom this oh, really? week. Yeah. Um, okay. Fireburn, which is... Um, That's the, members of... The, um, the Glaswegian band. Glaswegian, Edinburgh, somewhere in Scotland. But they went down and recorded with Bry Doom. So, yeah. Okay. They, they, had, they had a period where they kind of went a bit wobbly, I think, with the finances and the collective and stuff. But they're still going. But just not so many shows going there. But like I saw, like you know, Battery, Damnation, like loads of great shows at that yeah. place back in the day. Didn't they have the festival there? Didn't they? Yeah, the one in yeah. twelve fest every festival. November or so. Yeah, it was great. I used to, uh, I used to get a whole loaf of bread and make 
lemon curd sandwiches out the whole loaf <laughs> <laughs> and I would take that with me and that would just last me the whole weekend I didn't have money for food so well, I would just take that and survive on that for the whole weekend do you know this guy right lemon curd sandwiches all the way sick whenever <laughs> he was the original like yeah like he's saying with the sandwiches and that and when we had shows in London this guy used to fucking hitchhike fucking everywhere man every time he comes to London he used to hitchhike then yeah. we'd be like I want to ask you about that. Did you, um, we're going to go back to the hardcore thing, but did you, what's the hitchhiking thing? Have you guys ever done that? I've never hitched up nah. before, man. I, 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 me personally, I'll, I'll be fucking scared as, no, I'll wake up with your hands tied up, uh, an apple in your mouth, and some weird dude standing over you like, what, oh, why, why does woman. That, why does that scare you? <laughs> 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 That's a good question, actually. You, you get to your destination and get bonus good free time. What are you on about? <laughs> did you ever like, have any weird experiences? Like, did you ever get in a hitchhike in a car down to London or back to North and something um, weird happened? Well, we had lots of shit journeys in a sense, like you're kind of reliant on, you know, people not thinking you're a serial killer or whatever. And you're trying to hitchhike places and you, sometimes you give up. You'd be like, there's a gig. And you'd set out like the morning of the gig, you've got all day uh, hitchhike and you'd just stand at the side of the road for five hours and no one would pick you up and you're like, oh, fuck it, I'm going on then. Uh, but most of the time, did really well out of it. I had a, a few weird conversations with people, like got picked up, very, very weird conversations, but nothing or weird sexual. ever happened. Yeah, this, I think I was quite a naive, innocent teenager. Well, I was like 16 when I was this doing this, 16, 17. And there were like questions like, I look back at conversations that we had and I was just like, I remember this guy told me about I was in the army and he used to do like the the sentries, uh, like, you know, and on sentry duty, they all give each other blowjobs and stuff. And like 16 year old me was like, all right, cool. Um, <laughs> on. And then like looking back, I'm like, ah, all right. Well, I was, yeah, <laughs> <you know what laughs> I mean? uh, there you go. I was, I was pretty naive from that, that extent of things back then. But what did you tell your parents? Like, do you, do you say you was going to London or do you, they, they obviously didn't know that you was hitchhiking, right? Uh, I don't know if they did, to be honest. I, 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 I there was a point where I kind of just, you know, everyone has a teenage rebellion and, and that, right? My parents are like mad religious. Like they oh, moved right. to China for 10 years because God told them to. Oh, really? They're like Fucking well hell. into it, right? Like wow, proper man. happy clappy born again Christians. Oh, that's right? my kind of people, man. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. You know, have you seen Borat the film? Yeah. You know, when he kind of like has a crisis of faith, like two thirds of the way through and he ends up in that massive church and they're running down the aisles and falling over. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah that kind of church that's what I was raised in wow you're, you're the total opposite, opposite from that like yeah well because when I was like 14 I'm like yeah that's not really my cup of tea <laughs> and then they weren't wow. kind of into that like no you need to go to church and I'm like yeah I don't fuck off and so we had the sort of teenage rebellion and then I just like I was very independent from that point of view like for, for it took me a while to appreciate my parents because I was very angry at them for trying to enforce their stuff their beliefs on me and so like I think once they realised that the straight edge thing was actually real and I wasn't getting pissed they were kind of just happy with me just toddling off with me hardcore mates going to gigs because I, I wasn't getting in trouble from their point of view Yeah, yeah. so they were fairly chill with it and uh, yeah I would just have a big like hiking rucksack and I'd fill it up with Tin, po yeah, tin potatoes and bourbons <laughs> pretty much and then I'd, I'd toddle off for a few days and come back and skipped a lot of school but yeah no one seemed to say anything so wow, I mean, to, like, to wow. be fair I mean if your parents are like super religious and you're like yeah I don't drink or I don't do anything like that I mean 
You were saying you're really pretty, that, like, you, your dad was you're in Ghana. They're quite religious as well, isn't it? Yeah, they're pretty strict in Ghana. Yeah, and that, yeah. I used to get threatened loads of times when I was a kid. That I'm gonna get sent back to Ghana. Like <laughs> never, happened, never happened. Obviously, I'm still here. But like, yeah, I can um, I can relate to sheep. Obviously, not super religious. But when my parents, well, when my mum passed, my dad obviously started to go to church and we went along like and I wasn't really feeling it too much but once I got to a certain age again it's that clash of like you, you should be going but I don't really want to go and then yeah just didn't go yeah fair enough man yeah. so back to the Northern Hardcore Smeen, uh, scene Smeen scene so like Area Effect you had a we've talked a lot about Area Effect on this podcast because that was I would say, from me personally, that was the first band that I, from up north that I had a really close bond with. We used to do a lot of shows. I remember you used to tag along quite a lot. Yeah. Um, how did you, how does the northern scene work? You've got Leeds, Manchester. At, at, at that time, the spots were Sheffield, Manchester, Leeds, and Newcastle. Yeah. Was that like four independent scenes, or was it like one scene? Well, you had you had the people that didn't travel to other shows, and then yeah. you had the people that that did, and I think the people that would travel to other shows in other cities and they were in the bands were very much sort of accepted across all of them. Well, not that there was any unacceptance by anyone, but more case, you know, there were some people like who wouldn't have bothered going on, it's on like the an bus a, to Manchester. Sheffield to Manchester, how, how far is that drive? Hour. Hour. Hour and a bit. Uh, a bit that? Over Snake Pass, a bit longer. Leeds, Leeds Manchester is closer because you can just whiz across the M62. It's only 35 miles-ish. That's what I'm saying. For us to get to one side of London to the other can take, what, two and a half hours, three hours? Could do. So that's why I asked, because did you see yourself as one scene? Because even though it's four different areas, you're all, other than Newcastle, you're all pretty close. Well, I think there's a a certain element of, especially back then, bands would generally only play like one Northern show, you know, a lot of the time. Oh, really? Yeah, because it weren't. The so, same people would go to the same. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I get everyone knew each other, you know, especially with the scene being a lot smaller than it is now. Um, I don't really think people viewed it as sort of like fiercely separate, like with their own identities. But, you know, the, the scenes were different, you know, in Leeds, you had a lot more sort of emo stuff going on. There's a sort of scene within us, you know, you, you've always got different styles going on. You had like, you know, Polaris and that kind of more emo side of things and bands from from other cities like Baby Harp Seal, um, Bob Tilton would come and play in Leeds and that, I don't think that was as big in Manchester and Newcastle, Sheffield to me. I think that, that stuff was a lot bigger in Leeds. Um, but yeah, I think it was, I mean, it, to be honest, I think the whole scene in the, the UK was, was a lot more united back then because it was yeah, before, out yeah, of necessity. 100%. It was smaller. You couldn't afford to exclude people in the way that, you know, now or, you know, at various points between then and now, you know, old school kids don't want to get involved with the metalcore kids and stuff like that. that. There weren't enough bands, there weren't enough kids to have divisions. So yeah. everyone was just, you know. United together you yeah. know people that didn't like the metal stuff still kind of went to the shows because there weren't that many shows for them to pick from and it's funny you say that because and this might be controversial controversial but I feel like there's a slight divide between South and North now bands like not a divide like a beef thing but you see that the Northern bands tend to play more of each other and the Southern bands are pl- tend to play more of each other it's not mixed as much as it was back in the day do you, do you agree agree with me or I mean I can't speak for back in the day because obviously I wasn't around but today I mean 
Yeah and no in, in, in that sense because obviously I know a lot of uh, guys up north in bands and obviously not in bands and a lot of them come down so oh, yeah, to, course, yeah. to play shows and to hang out and stuff and it's all good in that but obviously there's, there's different scenes and there's different types of bands and stuff so they're not going to mix like so obviously you've got some of the bigger leads and Manchester bands up there like they might not necessarily play with like say a beatdown crowd down in say maybe down south or in the Midlands or whatever it just doesn't mix unless it's on a festival or something yeah, like I'd say, say Reggae Fest uh, or something like that the, the division is stronger along the genre lines rather than yes, the, yeah, the exactly. geographical the ones lines. I would okay, say yeah, yeah. that's fair enough yeah. remember going because remember we played that thing in Leeds a few years ago and it was just a beatdown fest Shedfest Shedfest is it was that was yeah it? it was Shedfest in yeah. Leeds we played yeah yeah and I, I remember like that. I remember standing there just watching it was something like 15 beatdown bands in one day. It's been like, fucking hell. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and we, I think we were the only band that like, didn't really do that style as well. And yeah, I think yeah, we were yeah, kind yeah. of met with a lot of like, like, funny looks from the crowd. No, I, I do remember a lot of people getting down, the kids and that, but yeah, it's just a bit different, isn't it? Like, Sheep, would you say that's something that you miss from the old days? The fact, like what you're saying, that we had to the bands don't mix as much, like the different genres are different styles? Or do you think that's just something that the way the scene's developed and that's not something that can change? I think I, think I miss it because, I mean, I, I was, I've always liked everything. Like, yeah, you know, too, yeah. I, I, I like Gorilla Biscuits. I like Bulldoze. I you know, <laughs> I like Modern Life is War. I like, you know, I, I've always kind of like been into everything across the whole hardcore spectrum a little bit like that so like I like mixed bills when I like you know into the bands and that but at the same time I think it's a fairly unfortunately fairly natural progression for for people to you know if, you, if you're into beat down bands like what are you you're not going to bother going to see the old school bands because it's not your cup of tea Sunday the 16th of February Radio Eye Collective presents all the way from Pittsburgh Enemy mine. Look what you're time to bring Don't give a fuck what you say. You're nothing like me. You can't be me. Along with three of the UK's finest, hardest bands. Cold Hard Truth. Bun them out. And Split Knuckle. That's Sunday the 16th of February at the Black Heart Camden. £10 on the door. Don't miss it. Going back to the, the scene in the 90s, what were the main bands in? Can you give us a one down of some of the bands? I've, you've obviously mentioned uh, Canvas. Yeah. Uh, uh, they, yeah. They were always like my number one back then. Yeah, I know you used to love them. Uh, they were... Uh, they were the first band. They had that. Um, they had a wicked start. I remember they used Mad Effects. Yeah, and that has a mad they like, original went, like, sound. Really funky towards the end, which some people loved. Uh, you know, the Lost in Rock sort of era. I wasn't as bothered about that. I'm never really into prog. I was more into the H eight thousand stuff. So the the earlier Liar, shit right. was yeah. was what what got me going you had them see Voorhees you know were quite oh, yeah, prolific throughout the entire man. 90s I, they don't get enough props Voorhees to no me one is one of one of the most important UK bands ever oh, you know like they've the discography is 
fucking banging. They're so good. I mean, they, they were touring with Hatebreed in America in like 95, 96 or whatever, like, like yeah. way back when. And it seems like not many people give them the, 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 the due. I Why think, do you think that is? The style of music's not that popular anymore. Obviously, you've got, you got that kind of new wave of British hardcore stuff that's into that like faster aggressive sort of sound and you know suckling on the teat of neg negative approach and that sort of thing and and that boston vibe um i'm sure a lot of those kids but in general i personally think that like everyone should love that band you know the, the there's i think there's a lot of new kids that have got they're, they're overwhelmed you know there's so many bands now and if you look at just the output of this country in the last 10 years there's so many amazing records and you could probably just spend your lifetime listening to those never mind going further back but there's a lot of important bands in the history of this country scene that are overlooked now in a way that american bands aren't you know everyone will give gorilla biscuits the due youth of today judge yeah, you know going further back teen idols minor threat whatever but there's a lot of bands that are, are really important for the uk scene that don't get their due and I definitely think Voids would be top of the pile for that one for me yeah man really really important um, other bands sort of late 90s Vengeance of Gaia I mentioned them before from pre, right? yeah, yeah pre 30 seconds to Armageddon Lins yeah also when it's in Break It Up because um, I think there weren't that many bands you, you've mentioned Area Effect they were really really busy you know, they were probably... They were the biggest band up north, would you yeah, say? Yeah, around? definitely. Yeah. It's funny because I listened to them again a while back and they've not aged well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, no, no offense to anyone. Um, but like, you know, it's, there's, there's some stuff in the 90s you can listen to it and you're like, oh, it's great. And there's some stuff you can't. And uh, Jeff, with them, I think it's it more about the energy. I so, think it was yeah. The, yeah, it was the live energy with them, wasn't it? But yeah. the, the quality of the recording, I think... Terrible. Doesn't doesn't really work for it. Like when you listen back now, Andy Goddard, God bless him, was probably not the world's most competent drummer. Ah, uh, shout out to Andy. <laughs> yeah, love love you, Andy. No, no, I can't, I can't play anything at all. But yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, it's it's pretty dated, but it was really important, you know. And when they broke up, the Manchester scene went on its ass. Yeah, they were they were they were you know the the glue that kept. Manchester together you know and, and they broke up and then people just kind of drifted apart you know like having a local band that everyone likes is really important maybe that's one of the reasons why London has been consistently good is because Knuckle Dust and, and the LBU have never gone away you know you've been there the entire time you can look mm. at a lot of other scenes that have come and gone and you can trace the rise and fall uh, in popularity of these scenes with you know the the efforts of the local people look at do you remember when peterborough got really big yeah like, yeah like 98 yeah, yeah. 99 triple h yeah and, uh, and there's a positive outlook record now whatever the record label was called right so peterborough was a great place to play for a couple of years and then all of them were like 18 19 they all went to uni and peterborough died like yeah. one september peterborough was just dead because everyone had fucked off to uni and they'd all gone that's other places all that, that's all it takes isn't it yeah, like, it, yeah. You, you can just the loss of two or three key players are the ones that are doing everything and, and once they disappear or stop doing it if if no one else steps up then shit yeah, just dies and that's yeah. exactly what you just said if no one else steps up then it kind of like just doesn't go anywhere it just, it just folds yeah, it like. just dies yeah yeah I mean there are some bands still in Peterborough like that's still playing in that surrounding area so yeah they've been and gone was, you know yeah. it's, there's been a lot of bands since then come and gone but yeah, it's, it's not been like how it was I, I remember Indecision playing there they had a little Peterborough hardcore festival day 
and that was one of my favourite shows man from back in the day yeah that was like fucking amazing man big shout out to Imbalance another I used to very love very important 90s band I had me. them marked down and but I think they were the band that they were like professional before professional sounding yeah yeah. Before they they knew how to play the instruments, they knew how to sing. They were a little bit older than everyone else, though, weren't yeah, they? Yeah, a little bit. Not not by much. Probably like five years or something. Yeah. But then again, you you lot were always older than me. I was always the baby. I'm, I'm still older than you. <laughs> yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. True. Yeah, you're like yeah. what two two or three years older than me. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, every, yeah. Everyone was back then. All the canvas boys as well. Yeah, yeah you're right. You know, you're I was right, always like right. well, when I was like the 15, 16 year old kid. Everyone else was like 19 or 20. You're making me sound like a pervert now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <When I was laughs> How old are you now, Steve? Uh, it's about to turn 40. Just about 40. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 40 at the start of next month. All right, so, all right, so you're yeah, like right, you're six right. months younger than me. Are you February born as well? Yeah, yeah, 7th of February. Oh, shit. Shit, man. I'm the 12th of February. Yeah, Aquarius. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, Imbalance, man. Yeah, yeah, they were the band that I thought... But they, like, they were like the kind of UK... Not Gorilla Biscuits. Every, everyone said uh, Gorilla Biscuits, but they never were. Nah. Like, you know what? You know what they were. Imbalance were the actual embodiment of what Rick to Life wanted. Wow! Unity. <laughs> Unity. <laughs> no kidding. Everyone loved Imbalance. Right? Yeah, they did. It doesn't matter what you liked back then. Imbalance was a band that everyone loved because they were like. There was no, there were such nice lads. There was never any beef or drama, right? Did not upset anyone. Everyone loved them, right? The music was just catchy. You know, everyone, the shows were such a good time. Everyone was just like losing yeah. their minds in yeah, a kind of like true. positive, happy way. No one ever got hurt. And it was, and they were just great. Everyone loved them. I can't think of anyone who didn't like them at the time. I Dude, loved them. I know I did, man. Way. It's true. Yeah. What happened? Cause Everywhere they, they went. That was on Household Name. I know Household Names was yep. pushing them quite hard. Yeah. And I, I heard talk that they did get a major deal with someone, but it didn't happen or... Oh, I don't know about that. Um, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, man. Do you still speak to them guys or... Yeah. I heard um, it was going to be full. On and off. I'm like... I, they played uh, a couple of years ago now. Uh, they played like two or three shows and I managed to make the one in Grimsby. Um and it was good. I loved it. There weren't as many people from the nineties at that show that I, that I was hoping for. But you yeah. know, I was also in Grimsby, so you know, you know, <laughs> all the forty-year-olds yeah. with kids. It's t- tough to you know take a trip trip up to Grimsby for it. But um, yeah, no, they're, they're all good. Um, I hung out with Andy as well recently outside of that. He was in Glasgow at the same time as I was for some reason, and we ended up hanging out in a pub trying not to get stabbed. Um, <laughs> well, you know, part of the course in Glasgow, yeah. isn't it? Um, but yeah, they're all, they all seem to be doing pretty well. Nah, that's cool, man. I was saying, I remember the first time that I was um, going to play out north, being a black guy in the 90s, I was I was a little bit prangy, you know? I was like, oh, is it going to kick off? I don't know who these people are. So I was ready to like, honestly, I was ready, I was, I had it in the back of my mind that I was ready to go if it kicked off. I remember I met all you guys and like, you guys are fucking so friendly. You're so welcoming. It was like, it's like we are brothers, do you know what I mean? The way you treated me. People from the North are welcoming though. No, I remember, I absolutely loved it. And I remember we played a festival with Canvas and I remember I remember the bass player, they had a new bass player and he's wearing a t-shirt, right? I think it, it was gay, right? It was gay. And I remember he's wearing a t-shirt and it says something like Gay Edge. And I'm oh like, yeah, that would have been Gaz. Gaz, you know, I'm like, yeah. okay, shout out to Gaz. 
I remember looking at looking at that t-shirt and thinking, "Fuck me, man, that's like that's cool that someone can wear that and feel comfortable." Because I'll be real, at that time in London, imagine East London walking down the street in the nineties, Lewis oh, fuck, or Steve. Man. Wearing a t-shirt that says Mate, gay edge or something gay. A hardcore, even the hardcore scene in the 90s in London, I mentioned it on a podcast before, there was a, a bit of a, a little Nazi crew that used to go around creating trouble. And if they had seen Gaz wearing that t-shirt, they would have set upon him. But I mentioned it just to say that your scene was so fucking, wel- so welcoming. Do you know what I mean? And people felt comfortable that they could um, wear a t-shirt that said things like that. Yeah, and it was always, well, you remember like, it sounds weird when I say it now, given how society has changed, but the 90s were very politically correct. Really? In in, in the hardcore scene in the North. Oh, in the, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you had you had quite a lot of progressive, forward-thinking people, you know, it was quite a lot of, of, you know, like, strong feminist women involved in the scene, doing things like Helen Subjugation, uh, Veek Simba, run, you know, she's running Simba Records, doing Revelation Europe and stuff, well, people, like, people who weren't content with standing in the back, they were, you know, saying when they saw things that weren't right and, and they were loud and vocal about it. So I think uh, there's, you know, there's always going to be darker elements involved in any sort of group of people and stuff. But I always remember like the North being a lot more sort of PC than the South. Oh yeah, But also yeah. like in terms of very basic stuff, like it was always cool going down to South to shows because you could like, Kickbox and that. <laughs> Go watch Knuckle Dust in London and spin kick yourself silly. And you couldn't really get away with it in, in like, it changed over time, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there was definitely like, you know, 95, 96, 97. It, it was a lot more, not push moshy, but people weren't, you know, spin kicking each other in the head. So, <laughs> you know, it was kind of cool. I remember one of the best canvas shows I ever saw was that they played in um, Amsterdam on tour and I, I, I tagged along, just like a bad smell you can't get rid of. And like kids were going off to them and it was probably the best time I ever saw Canvas because people didn't really go off. And when they played Leeds, it was in the, like the hometown and you would expect like the hometown show to like kick off. It wasn't really that kind of promotion Leeds. It was a little bit more sort of PC. There was much more of an emo scene. And, and so like all these kids were going off and I got to mosh my little, you know, 16 year old arse off and it was great. <laughs> I'm like, wow, people are moshing. This is fucking sick. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that was still like the best time, you know, and it's weird because I feel for like a lot of other bands, the best shows I've ever seen them play are their hometown shows yeah, yeah. when like all their mates are going wild. Yeah. But with Canvas, it definitely weren't. It was maybe the Amsterdam show or some of the other ones they played where people actually went off and Leeds it never really did. Obviously that that's changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, sure. but in the nineties Leeds wasn't moshtastic, let's put it that way. Moshtastic. It's <laughs> <laughs> a nice little history lesson here, man. Nah, it's cool. Some of the youngers are going to be hearing some interesting stuff. Well, I mean, people might see it differently. This is just oh, my, of course my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Course. People got different stories from different angles of how they saw life, viewed life. Yeah. I but, mean, I remember putting on, would it be like Area Effect, Vengeance of Gaia, Withdrawn, Canvas at the Pack Horse and Leeds, all for the time. Well, I still think those bands are amazing now, but yeah. especially at the time, that was like, you know, the creme de la creme of, of what was going on in the North. And it didn't go off. You know, so it was a successful show in the sense that people turned up for it, but it wasn't like, you know, the walls weren't drenched with sweat at the end of it and everyone was yeah, sat yeah. on the curb outside trying to get the breath back. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's just kind of how, it wasn't like that 
Was it more like then. just people singing along and stage diving and stuff? Or no, well, no. it was a floor show, so you know, it wasn't a stage for anyone to stage dive off, and not really that much singing along either. It's difficult to sing along on canvas because you can't fucking tell what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was just, I think, you know, you had a lot of. It was just, yeah, it just weren't that mosh heavy. Like maybe a lot of people who were probably a bit too shy, like definitely me. Like, you know, I think it took a few years of going to shows to get to the but point where- I think one of the craziest people that's I've seen what it is, is all that show, hey, man. fucking like, we can't mosh in Leeds and just comes out in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Fucking hell, you You're one of the craziest people places, I've seen you dance. But I think it took, it took me a while to like get to the point where I kind of didn't give a fuck, fuck what people thought and I'm just going to enjoy myself the way that I want to enjoy myself. Yeah. I love it. And you know, when you're like 16 and everyone else is several years older than you and you're kind of like- yeah, want to mosh but you're like oh, Lisa, this yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 I think I, I love it when you go to shows and you see the one kid who's maybe he's not like the cool guy in the scene yeah. or whatever and he just doesn't give a fuck I and love moshes shit, and you can see you can see loads of people looking at him like a oh, fucking loser or whatever yeah. and I'm like no that's, yeah, the, nah, that's, the, kid, that's the coolest kid here because he kid. doesn't give a fuck, fuck and he's moshing regardless yeah. that's I mean cause without the mosh our core's just a bit shit really isn't it no, <laughs> I mean it's not. It's not the only thing that the scene's got going for it. But you know, if you take away this sort of like visceral, violent reaction, shared experience that you get from a hardcore show, whether it be you know like ultra beat down and everyone's going to the hospital afterwards, or whether it's just like old school kids with stage dives and whatnot, there's this kind of interaction between band and crowd that you don't get in a lot of other scenes that I think is integral to our integrity and what sort of sets us apart. Not that we're like unique or better than any other subgenre of music or whatever, but it, it's, it's important, you know? Yeah, that's fucking amazing because like, I know they're obviously two different types of music, but like going to a hip hop show, when I go to a hip hop show, I mean, obviously times have changed, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, I'm not into hip hop. When I've been to a show, I'm like, watching an artist on stage and like, yeah, it's really cool, but I'm just like waiting for something to fucking happen. Like, cause you know, when you're yeah, a hardcore yeah. show, like something's going to happen. Like people But they gonna... mosh now. That's the funniest thing. Like if you watch yeah, these Travis changed, Scott shows yeah. and all that, all those, they mosh, like, the, they do the, all the cool. Cultural appropriation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, it was, it was like, it's like the smaller hip hop shows though, isn't it? Where it goes. No, off. the big ones yeah. now. Yeah. I went to that. Well, I know it's an old man show. I went to that thing at Wembley Arena at Public Enemy. Um, Wu Tang and um, Della Soul. Della Soul. Soul. It was fucking shit. Yeah, it doesn't it. What was it? it? Was shit. But this is the thing you've got with those shows, though. You've got a barrier. You know, there's a clear separation between the band and the crowd. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we are performing for you. You guys don't really partake except when we tell you to. You know, yeah. you turn the PA down, sing along to this bit. Whereas, you know, the beauty of the hardcore scene is you fucking take it. You want that mic, you fucking get up there and sing it. Yeah, and how yeah. many times have we seen some like, just like over-enthusiastic kid just grab the mic and finish the song and yeah, the singer's just like, all right, that. fucking go for it. Man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. You, you don't really get that in, in, in many other genres, or at least not that I've experienced. And I think that's one of the, the, the things that makes us different. Everyone but us. Straight from the heart of London. Do you know what? There's one guy that, well, we all hate now, but this is the one thing I loved about him, and that was Rick to Life. When you, <laughs> when you saw a 25 to Life show, I used to love everyone singing the lyrics, and yeah. everyone, he used to always get everyone like fucking. Do you know what I mean? It got to the point though where you, you kind of do pay to go see a band play. Yeah, you want you people sing along, I, I like, used to love it though. You, you kind of want the singer to sing at least like 50% of the song. <laughs> you know? 
I, I, I saw Twenty Five to Life in '98 upstairs at the garage with Banging Show with you lot. Um, oh, it was Knuckle Dust. I think and that, that was yeah, that, that, public that, disturbance. Maybe. Might have been pu- yeah, public. I think it was PD. Yeah, PD. Yeah, yeah. and I, I just remember feeling like it was a party. That show was a fucking party because everyone was just singing. Because it was just a sing along. Everyone's yeah. dancing. Everyone's having fun. It just felt like a big fucking party. To Lewis, me. ain't you feeling it? And nah, I'm fucking gutted. I'd love to like. Oh yeah, the spectacle yeah. of those twenty five to life shows, like the the nineties ones, and that. There's, yeah. there's one video on YouTube where the, the pylons are ridiculous. I mean, you still see it now today. Yeah, different yeah, bands yeah. and that, like, which is still amazing. Yeah, before yeah, before yeah. they turn yeah. into a joke that could only turn tour in France. Yeah, 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 <laughs> that, yeah those yeah, days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the original yeah, days yeah. with what's it called, Twenty Five to Life. If you want yeah. to check out a yeah. cool Twenty Five to Life show, check out the um, what was that Super Bowl of Hardcore? Nah, man? The, the festival. Ah, oh, door, the door. The thing. Yeah, door fest. Yeah, door festival. There's Nin- a video of that, mate. Check probably that. Ninety eight, maybe. That was about ninety eight. Yeah, give or take. That was sick, man. I don't know if I've seen that one. Yeah, check it Damn, out. Doorfest was fucking mint back then. The bands, I remember we used to watch oh, videos of man. the pit being like, holy shit, they'd kill you, which is hilarious because <laughs> if you watch that now compared to what goes on now, it's yeah, like, I know, it's, I know. it's so tame. Yeah. But back then we felt it was like the most violent thing in the world. You're like, oh, you're going for a minute, you're going to get a black eye. <laughs> <laughs> but all these bands, there's one up north, there's one thing that they all had in common. Being and better was, looking than Southerners? No, you had no, you had no brothers, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> automatically we're cooler, man. Come on, no, no, it was, that was all straight edge. Like the northern scene had a, it was had a massive straight edge scene, and that was the biggest difference I would say from the south to the north. Yeah. Like, so you've been straight edge for those that don't know. Sheep's been straight edge for how long? <laughs> Twenty five years this year. 25 years man that is the truth man so let's talk about straight edge like so was you straight edge before you got into hardcore no so no, I, was, I was a I was a piss head before I got into hardcore uh, could you imagine sh- I, I could imagine <laughs> but I reckon you'd be a reckless piss head man, I reckon we're 2020 not- fucking represent mate fucking cheapest you? thing you could get from spa yeah or white lightning bottle of white lightning sort you right out oh you're a or, you're a white lightning because it was cheap weren't yeah, it yes or the other one the mucky mixture special you go around someone who's, whose parents have got like a drinks cabinet and you oh, take like God. a centimetre of each bottle of spirits <laughs> put it all together and shake it up because you know they'd never notice you oh, take yeah. a tiny bit it is the, the it foulest is thing in the world but man does That's that gross. fuck you up yeah. mucky mixer <laughs> you know what can I ask you a question because you talked about your parents being like really religious is that what was you one of them kids that just like wanted to be like Fuck off for the E, like, was you, did that push you to want to drink 2020s and... No, I just wanted to drink it because everyone else at school was drinking it okay, and want to get yeah, fucked up. Like, that, right. that weren't a rebellion thing. So my parents aren't teetotal. They, you know, they, they enjoy a nice glass of port. Uh, my kind of people. <laughs> they, don't, they, don't, they don't get mash up or anything, but they, they do like, you know, a little bit of wine and that. Um, but no, but just, you know, typical high school thing, you know, start drinking when you're like what 13 and whatever getting fucked up listening to Nirvana in your bedroom headbanging all night you, you ever do drugs or anything like that uh, smoked a bit of weed I remember sitting in my friend Daniel Salt's cellar um, uh, doing quack no 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 <laughs> smoking <laughs> weed and listening to the scat man I just fell asleep the scat man that is a really so, that oh, is man. a weird mix hey, it well, was man. it was 1994 it was a big deal oh shit <laughs> 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 
Let's get man can do it. I'm liking you more and more, see. That is amazing. <laughs> um, I remember trying speed once. Um, the same, my same friend Daniel Salt. His, his dad owned like six acres of woodland. Uh, we built a little uh, hut there, and we'd go and hang out and blow cans of beans up in the fire, you know. Oh. <laughs> um, and he, he got some speed. We tried it, and it did nothing to me, which I think is probably because I'm really hyperactive. And <laughs> yeah, if you're really hyperactive, that. that stuff doesn't do an awful lot to wow. you. It's like. You know, Ritalin is basically what they give to hyperactive kids, and that's just a prescribed for version of speed, really, isn't it? So, holy moly, man! I never, I, I was never into drugs, man. I, never my no, thing. Me neither. I think I if, I, if, if I hadn't got into hardcore and straight edge, I would definitely be smashing some fucking pills. Oh really? Yeah. I, 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 I'm bad enough sober I'm like really easily egged on people are like oh sheep jump off that thing it'll be dead funny I'm like alright then <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 if I hadn't got into straight edge people would be like take these pills you'll have loads of fun I'd be like alright then like, <laughs> yeah. you know like if, I'd, if I hadn't met Jody and she hadn't told me I had to get into hardcore to be a skater maybe I would have met some pillhead and then ended up going to you know raves and that instead but that's, that's kind of mad man so then how did you become straight edge then like so um peer pressure <laughs> that's weird got peer pressure not to drink well you as you kind yeah, of led yeah, into yeah. the segment with the the scene in the north back then was very straight edge you know very vegan very straight talk edge. about it um and so you know i was getting into hardcore and everyone was straight edge so i was like oh, i'll guess i'll be straight edge too um you wanted to fit in you know you, i was 15 you know you, you don't really have much of a sense of identity when you're 15 you're like looking for it aren't you you want to belong to a, a group and i remember the first weekend i said i was going to be straight was uh the heineken festival <laughs> in in leeds and rounded park with like popoli itself and pulp and so I, I stopped drinking for that weekend and i didn't really know what to do with myself because usually you'd be pissed up yeah. so you remember when like boddington's and that used to have the plastic widget in the bottom yeah spent the weekend going yeah. up like cutting cans open building a massive pyramid of widgets <laughs> my first weekend in straight edge <laughs> i mean it, it's not a surprise i was a fucking weird kid um and yeah i mean i think i definitely kind of bought into the whole thing for for quite a long time and like these days i don't really care about it anymore but like as a as a sort of movement or anything because it's, I think it feels like a personal thing you know like yeah, yeah, if you don't yeah. like not drinking is great for some people we all know plenty of people who should probably have stopped drinking a lot uh, earlier in their lives Steve, Steve, Steve. Um, <laughs> but you know it works for some people and it doesn't I know plenty of people um, who would be really fucking boring if they were straight edge yeah um, yeah Steve so, Steve Steve <laughs> joking I am a boring cunt yeah so I'm, I'm like I think it's great for some people I think it's worked out quite well for me I'm quite happy with that but at the same time it's you know I don't really feel like it's a, a huge part of my identity or who I am you know you have some people who like they turn it into like part of the label as who they are and stuff and I guess you know I'm not pointing any fingers or anything I've got fucking X's on either side of my name or my email address yeah. you know I own an X watch I'm not I'm not trying to swerve it but at the same time like I'm more than just straight edge I think I'm not saying this in a derogatory but I think for you guys the older crowds it's not like maybe when you were younger it was like yeah we're straight edge but older you get it's like yeah it's, this is just who I am when you're a bit younger you want to let people know that you're no, straight edge I think it's like any identity thing like we've been sat here for an hour and none of you have told me to blaze it yet you know I feel like you're letting <laughs> your side down as well <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's definitely a thing like I think when I was younger 
it was definitely like important, you know, especially because there is a lot of pressure on you to drink. And if you don't want to, you know, people trying to get you to it kind of, like, I think it's probably cool to have something to cling, not cling to, but to like believe in or whatever. And then you get a little bit older, especially yeah. when you just see like the number of people who scream about it and are so judgmental. And then like five years later, they're down the pub having a pint. Yes, and it's, it's, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Like, like some of my best friends used to be straight edge. You know, I don't care if if you're not feeling it anymore. Then have a pint. You I was going to ask like, you, yeah. like, what is your opinion on people that break edge? Like for me, I, I can't have an opinion on it because I've never been straight no, edge. There's, but there's, like for there's someone no that's- opinion. Like people do what they want to do. Like um, anyone. Like I was 15 when I went straight edge. Right? Is someone going to try and tell me that a decision I made when I was an idiot 15-year-old kid has to stay true for the rest of my life? And if at some point I decide that I do want to have uh, a beer or smoke a joint or whatever, that I am somehow betraying myself or anyone else? Mm. Fuck off. Like, I'll do what the fuck I want. If I want to have a beer, I'm not betraying anyone. I'm not letting anyone down. There's nothing wrong with having a beer. You know, I'm not going to. I don't want to. But... Who cares if 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 your friendship with someone is based on a shared vision of straight edge, and if they suddenly decide they're going to have a beer and you don't want to be mates with them anymore, you were never mates with them in the first place. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all seen it. Like there's there's plenty of, of of people who are right fucking cunts to people who stop being straight edge, and there's unfortunately a good number of kids who were straight edge and then for whatever reason stopped being that, and then they just dropped out of the scene because the the shame that is then associated with that, and that's that's a terrible terrible thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like. Granted, there are there are people who are cunts about it and shout the loud, the super straight edge, the dicks, and then you know when they do eventually start drinking. Because let's be honest, ninety five percent of kids who are edge will eventually sell out. That's not like throwing shade; it's just statistical yeah, fact. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. most people do leave it behind at some point. Like, yeah, it's funny to laugh about some of the dickheads who are idiots about it and then you know end up becoming the very thing they were so disparaging about in the first place but you know extreme examples like that that you can't help having a laugh about aside who gives a fuck yeah you know, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I think straight edge if you're the right kind of kid and the right kind of kid who sees like who's got a positive movement um, that he can he or she can be a part of which stops them from going down a certain path in life when they're young vulnerable and stupid even if it lasts for that five years and they get to the end of it and then they then they can treat themselves with a bit more respect exactly, and not yeah. get so fucked up and not do stupid shit, then it's worth it, right? I it's, think the opposite though. Because I've seen a lot of people that were straight edge and uh, they decide, they, they break edge and they go completely the other side. They, they dive yeah. into drugs, they die and they go... But that's probably what it was keeping them from in the first place and that was probably what... You know, in their mind, they were just like, "I'm going to keep away from that. I'm going to identify as this, and it's a it's a shield around you to prevent you from going down that path." It's tough. Like, I think if if I were to start drinking, it would I wouldn't do it, but it, it would be a rough time for me because I think everyone would want to buy me a beer. The novelty of buying <laughs> sheep a beer. Do you know what it I mean? Like, everyone, like, I'm so popular. Right? Right? You know, everyone would just buy me a beer. No, and it, but, you know it's what I mean? Like, it, but it's the thing. Like, I've done it. Like, yeah. I have friends who've been straight edge and they suddenly aren't. And I'm like, I'm going to buy you a beer. This is going to be funny. But could you imagine though? It would like, it would, excuse the pun, like, but it would be like a wildfire. be like, sheep's fucking straight, like, broke edge. Be like, it would just fucking yeah. be like, yeah, right? Yeah. Sheep drinks now. And the people that would be at the pub and like, just 
watching Sheep drink his first drink. Like you're one bar. of us now. Come on, it's true. The whole fucking show just goes quiet. Sheep's drinking his. And so, like, yeah, you can you can see why maybe some people when they when if. They, they stop being straight edge or whatever why they might end up having a period There's like, I've got plenty of friends where they maybe went on a little bit of a bender for a while because they've not drunk in 10 years or whatnot, and make up for a bit of lost time because everyone wants to get them pissed because it's funny um, and then they kind of level out and they're like normal adults and we all know the people that like probably I don't want to say ruined their life by st- stopping being straight edge but definitely their life took a bit of a beating because they just couldn't deal with it yeah, uh, the alcohol, or you know, I know some people start smoking at the age of thirty-five after breaking edge, and it's like, well, did you really want to do, do that? that? Yeah, but you know, end of day, it's their life. Let them do what they want. Introducing infraction. Find their brand new EP. No excuses for failure at ruction.com yeah so sheep like at what point did you uh decide to become a vegan again that goes back to the, that northern scene at the time it was you know everyone was vegan uh <laughs> you know like and it's uh, consequently there's a lot of animal rights literature available at shows yeah yeah um, yeah you're exposed to that. That that one definitely wasn't like a, a peer pressure thing in the way that like straight edge thing was sort of like a need to belong or whatever. You know, you you get exposed to a lot of that stuff and you read it and you're like, fuck me, this is messed up. Um, so I went vegetarian when I was, I think I was like just around my 16th birthday, I went veg. And then by the end of that, that year, I'd gone vegan, like September 96-ish. Straight up, right? You got three people here that eat meat how does that make you feel like because when we had Pierre on the podcast when we met you guys we used to say we used to sneak off and go and to McDonald's or whatever because uh, we didn't want to be disrespectful do you know what I mean like and eat meat in front of you but how how do you feel about it you're all wrong and you're going to burn an L <laughs> <laughs> no like so so many of my friends aren't vegan I've got a lot of vegan friends I've got a lot of ones that aren't but if you know, like, can you be in a room with someone's eating meat next to you does it does it put you off does it make you feel sick do you feel a bit disgusted with the person I mean, like we'll talk like, I, I'm almost offended that you'd ask that question no I know I know like, you don't am I that precious yeah. that, oh god <laughs> it's literally like, I was going to say because I put something up the other day about um, I'm not sure you obviously you don't really go on Facebook much but someone um, in Liverpool KFC there yeah, they tried the new vegan burger, and uh, they put chicken in the burger instead of like, holy instead of the, shit instead of the vegan yeah. patty. Like that, that's wow. not that's not the headline. Everyone liked to have a laugh about oh stupid vegan eating chicken. How do you not know? Whatever you know, there's people on different sides of the fence, both bashing it because there's quite a lot of vegans who are unhappy with major corporations sort of foraying into the vegan market the way they have done recently, and then obviously quite a lot of meat eaters who want to take the piss out of vegans. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. you tell me you've got an organisation with like hundreds and hundreds of branches rolling out a new product like that. Mistakes aren't going to happen. They are going to happen. Come on. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I feel for the last that ate it, you know, like the number of times I've been fed something over the years that wasn't Had vegan or even oh, vegetarian God. and I didn't know and I found out later or bit into it. And it's like, 
like, there's a time and a place to kick off about it. Sometimes you can be like, well, you know, you're a bit of a dick, aren't you? You know, like, but most of the time, what is it, what's the point in like enforcing this vegan stereotype that we're all a bunch of fucking precious hippies, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're not, yeah. like, yeah. if someone's done it deliberately, I'll fucking knock them out. Yeah. Straight up. If someone, nah, if yeah, someone well, fed, me, you, fed me anything deliberately, the, the, that's, you know, that's the line that's crossed. But if it's accidental, then, you know, you, you obviously you could talk to them about it and be like, that's not cool. But you don't like try and shame the person or something. It, it happens, nah, you yeah. know? Nah, for real, man. But it was, there was a period, wasn't there, in the, in the nineties where it was, would you say it was not, cause I, Pierre mentioned it again. I keep referring back to his podcast, but it was a bit of a, there was a band up North and I don't want to mention a name unless you want to mention them, but they were singing songs about abortion or something. And it was what, a bit of a blood green or slaver. <laughs> do you remember that period? Like, of course, I remember it. Are we allowed to talk about it, or would you want to talk about it? Or? Yeah, I mean, well, if you want a bunch of shit talking, I'll talk about yeah, it. Yeah, of course, you do that. No, I don't. I don't because you're gone. Fuck it. Well, I mean, there, talk, there, was a, there was a period where, you know, there was a hardline chapter in the UK. You had Chris Meadows, you had Nathan Bean, who, well, I think these days he denies he was hardline, but he was definitely... Did he sing in Canvas for a bit? No. Never. What, what, what band, uh, Lewis, remember we, and Steve, we played a festival and Nathan was singing. What band was that Blood, for? Blood Green? No, we played recently with oh. uh, Ironed Out and it was... Oh, the uh, one in uh, Lee. uh, Leeds. Yeah. yeah Leeds? Um, and Swayze were playing next door. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, it's, um, he's really singing on um, um, this Clevo band again that Lucky was singing for. It was Kanan. No, no, Kanan did a reunion. Yeah, it was Kanan. Oh, 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 was that the reunion yeah. where yeah, no one yeah, cared? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kanan, I stood at the back it. and laughed a little bit. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so there was a period where there was, you know, like a hyper-militant part of, of the UK scene, uh, much as the same as it was everywhere, you know? Like... Adam Malik was sort of hardline back in the day in Poland. There was a pretty big chapter there and a lot of crazy Americans did it, you know. Vegan Reich, Vanguard fanzine. It was pretty pretty out there, training for the revolution, not masturbating, whatever. Um, <laughs> whatever floats your boat. Um, um, we're gonna beeps, beeps. Put some uh, beeps in this, Steve. The, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and fucking hardline's a big fucking bag of shit, isn't it? Oh, fuck off. Where are they all now? You know, most of them are all fucking munching down on the Burger King Whopper or whatever, you know, like wow. what's pe- people concerned? Is Nathan Bean even vegetarian anymore? No, so you know, whatever. Uh, wow. yeah, y- you know, it's uh, it hardline's dumb, it was dumb then, it's dumb now, you know. Unfortunately, I don't think anyone's trying to bring it back. So, let's um, let's switch it up, man. So, at the moment, you're working as a, a road manager, that's your T- technically it's tour manager if you want to split hairs, but yeah. tour manager, tour manager, no. Road manager is a slightly different position. Oh, sorry, that, yeah. was that a bit insulting? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not, not insulting, just to... Just beneath you. Just beneath you. It goes back to what you said about that documentary, Lewis, when he's talking about the garbage man in the New York hardcore documentary. Oh, he goes into sanitation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but a tour manager is a fucking hell, it's a lot of responsibility. How did, you, how did you fall into that? Is that something you wanted to do or did you fall into it? No, I definitely fell into it. Um... Well, obviously, you know, used to put on a lot of gigs, ran a record label for a while, you know, we used to go on tour with bands and just not even doing merch, just being like the mosher, you know, on the back of the van, you know, bring sheep along your mosh and get it going every night. <laughs> um, and the book shows. And then if you remember Chrissy Yanu, who uh, now owns the vegan bakery in Highbury, Cookies and Scream. 
No, uh, well, she. I'm terrible with names. If I saw her face, remember, maybe I remember. Yeah, yeah. Um, she married Nigel from Unborn. Um, she uh, was booking a booking agent, and I used to buy shows off her. You know, like uh, Walls of Jericho, Give Up the Ghost, Hope Conspiracy, stuff like that. And then, like, 2004, she was like, "Sheep, you go on tour, don't you?" I'm like, "Yeah." She's like, "Well, sick of it. All need someone to look after them at Reading and Leeds Fest. Can you do it?" And I'm like. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I had no clue what I was doing at all. Um, but apparently sick of it all like me. And and then they asked me to TM them on the, the next tour and I like worked for them for a couple of years and it just kinda of went from there. So it was You went straight to sick of all? Yeah. Holy shit, got, man. Got That's, quite lucky. Yeah. I, I, you know, a lot of people had done like millions and millions of van tours and stuff, like but from and I've done a lot of van tours like for hardcore bands, you know, but from a from a pleasure point of view, not a work point of view. Like when I went to work, I just kind of looked out and went straight in at the bus level. Wow, man. So you've done that for two years and then what happened when you finished with Sick of It All? Did it, was you planning to continue on or did... Uh, no. How I, did it work, I, the whole... Well, I mean, you work for individual bands, you know, like, um, I, I worked for Sick of It All for a while and then uh, I ended up jumping on board with Bring Me The Horizon instead. Shit, man. So I started working for them, and then they was just mad busy and paying me more, so I just stayed with them. What size, at the time you you done bringing me the horizon, what size venues are we talking, are we? Well, when I started working with them, it was 2007, so there were, I think the first tour I tour managed, they headlined the Astoria. Yeah, they were on the rise. They were already doing all right. Like outside of London, it'd be smaller venues than that, you know, like 500 to 1,000, but obviously London's always a bit bigger. And then, yeah, I kind of, even that, I still had no fucking clue what I was doing. I remember Armand from Sick of It All, like explaining what advancing was to me. He's like, you've got to like call the promoters and make sure they've got all the information. I'm like, oh, okay, I can do that. (laughs) (laughs) I had no fucking clue. Um, But it it, it was pretty lucky for me because Sick of It All didn't mind that I didn't really know what I was doing. So you fucked up, they understood. Well, they also weren't paying me an awful lot for tour managers, so it worked out for them. They were saving money, but they're pretty like hands-on with stuff, and they're not a kind of band who needs everyone, someone to just completely look after everything for them. They're like pretty hands-on with the money, and like they like to know what's going on. They just needed someone who could do like the shit jobs or whatever, you know, like yeah, make yeah. sure that the rebels don't run out for Pete or, you know, this and that. And, and, and I think they were, you know, they were all right with the fact that I didn't know what I was doing because I was enthusiastic and I would just do what I was told. And, you know, um, I, I learned a bit with them, but then I, I learned, I sort of really learned my trade while I was working for Bring Me. But even now I look back to, to things. I remember like one of the first tours I did for Bring Me Rise and trying to tell the booking agent that she needed to make the tour book because I'd only ever done avocado tours where they, avocado, the booking agent, made the tour book for you because they had all the information. The tour book is in book like, the shows? Yeah, like with all the you know, promoter's address and phone number and, uh, okay. and you know, like that sort of thing. And so I was like, yeah, well, the booking agent makes sense. She's like, no, you need to do it. And I was like, I had no idea that I needed to do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, me. okay, I'll do that then. <laughs> you know? Holy shit. Um, so, yeah, I'd, Clearly, I had no idea what I was doing and just sort of managed to you know, fake it till you make it a little bit, I guess. Or work for some sympathetic people who maybe didn't mind that I didn't know everything and learn it as I went along. Did you Did you know Bring Me The Horizon before you started? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, was, I put uh, on like their, if, their uh, second or third ever show. The first time they ever played out of outside of Sheffield was at the Fenton and Leeds supporting Think It Through in the setup. Holy shit, man. Yeah. They set up from Belgium? Yep. 
Fucking hell. Because they, 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 they've got a hard, I don't know much about them. They're from a hardcore background, right? Yeah, yeah. They're all like, used to go to like my shows, you know, the shows back around then. Like, if you look at some pictures of of uh, shows, you'll see them in there. There's a picture I took of the Last Chance playing the Edge Day show in 2004. Uh, it was their last show, I guess. And there's Adam Malik stage diving feet first. And you've got Matt Keane, the bass player, bringing the horizon, like with his hand up on like, Adam Malik's shoe about to catch him. Holy shit, man. I've, I've got yeah. a picture of, of Ollie Sykes, probably probably like a, like a 14 or 15-year-old Ollie Sykes front row at the Blood Brothers show in Leeds wearing a scarf inside the sweaty venue. And I remember <laughs> ripping him on my live journal at the time going, who's this fucking kid wearing a scarf inside a sweaty wow. show? <laughs> of, course, of course it's fucking Ollie Sykes. Um, so yeah, no, they, they used to go to shows. Like I remember one, one tour we did in the States, we had um, On Broken Wings open up the tour because they were like one of the bands that they used to love bef- you know before the band got big and they were like let's just get this band the breaking opened up for bring me the horizon in the on a uk tour maybe like 2008 because they, you know, they they liked the break and they'd seen them a bunch uh, obviously hell, they've man. not actively been like going to shows f- yeah, yeah since the band sort of took off but prior to the band taking off they were you know involved in the hardcore scene did so, you ever think like beers go on yeah. sorry steve played a gig Played a pub in Luton one time. Yeah, I was at that one. BDF. And there was and there was another TLC one. TLC played. Which was the gig where he famously lost his clip on uh, Fringe. <laughs> no way. <laughs> I remember everyone going mental about yeah. that at the time. Yeah, they used, they used to play, like when they had the first EP out on Farrell's label, you know, they were just playing hardcore shows for the most part. Like that sort of burgeoning fringe white metal core scene that ended up kind of really taking off. Did but, you yeah. ever think it turned into that like pin-up poster teeny girls like that. he's like a pop star isn't he now yeah. did yeah, you yeah. ever think they'll end, they'll end up that, they'll be that level or no not at all because they were a heavy metal band you know they were like metalcore whatever you never think that's going to get that big because mm. if you'd have played me their most recent album back then you would have been like that's not bringing the horizon but you know they've changed a lot as a band haven't they so I mean they're playing a, what they're playing arenas now isn't it yeah, yeah. they've done, they yeah. done two yeah. nights at the O2 at one point that's insane man like that's absolutely insane do you still keep in contact with them or no, I worked, I worked for him again last year, and then they fired me. <laughs> <laughs> are, we, are you allowed uh, to say why, or you want to keep it? <laughs> I don't. I don't know why. I, I wasn't told, so I just got told oh. fuck off. So there you go. Uh, so no, hell. surprisingly, I'm not still in touch with anymore. <laughs> so where do you go after them then? Because you've done some fucking name some of the mass, some of, name some of the bands you've done because you've done some oh, unique not, stuff, not that man. Many. Um, 30 Seconds to Mars is probably one of the other bigger ones I've done. They're, they're huge, aren't they? Massive, mate. I've never heard their music. What's their music like? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's Jared Letter. Yeah, thing. it is, yeah. <laughs> Who? Jared Letter, the dude who played um, Joker in... Um, Shut up. What's the, what Batman film is that? Yeah, really? he was in all kinds of shit. When he's he was also in... the dude in um, American Psycho. You know, when he's, you know when Christian Bell fucking... Kills him. Fucking, um, yeah, yeah, plays Hugh Liu in the news. Thin, thin red shit, line, man. Fight Club. Yeah, he's in a bunch of stuff. Yeah, but yeah. Um, How was that, man? Uh, it's interesting. I've had to sign um, NDAs 
So I can't actually talk oh, about right. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could talk about the fact I work for him, but I can't yeah, actually yeah, talk no. about the ins and outs of it because uh, yeah. I get sued. All right. Um, <laughs> Fair Give us the dirt, goddammit. We've got good lawyers over here, don't worry. Yeah, yeah sure, sure you have. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, you get around, you work for some bands that are bigger, some bands that are smaller. Are you allowed, like, for putting that band to the side, just in general, are you allowed to share any wild, wild stories? Because I was thinking, as a tour manager, right, your job has got to be to protect the artists as well because you got you see it you got all these young girls running around and you have to save the artist from yourself and at the same time you have to, do you know what I mean yeah well I mean you don't want to get in a situation where accusations are being made or yeah there's, is that pressure down on you as a tour manager to a certain element of it obviously like planning the security of the show making sure there's enough security guards you know like you're always going to go through a full security meeting uh, a venue with you know the promoter the venue managers the head of security all that sort of stuff you often have to give a lot of security briefings to security guards uh, there's also you know like band members are going to do dumb shit though you know I've witnessed a lot of band members doing a lot of dumb shit and there's only so much you can do to sort of save them from themselves with that yeah yeah uh, you do what you can but ultimately if they're going to do something dumb then that's on them fucking hell man that's a lot of responsibility I don't know if I'd would want to take that on, man, but it's... Well, you know, money. Money. Money, money <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you're, you're on tour again tomorrow, aren't you? You're, you're, yeah. you're disappearing, man. You're I off am. with, um, what's the band called? The Used. The Used. I've never oh. heard of them. You know, they big. Yeah. So I'm fucking big. an old man now. You would have known, you'd know their songs. Sing me a song. Probably from... Yeah, Steve. Sing a song. Sing a song. So here I am. <laughs> that's, 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 that's definitely one of them. Oh right, yeah. so like cool. yeah, so as I said, that's earlier the only on, one I know. It'd be fair. When I said earlier on, that's the the lead singer used to get Kelly Osbourne. Back oh yeah, 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 yeah. Probably not what he wants to be known for, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Look at the Osbournes. No, of course. Like, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he is an artist in his own right, but that's what I remember him for being in the use and going out with Ozzy Osbourne's. Oh, Ozzy Osbourne, yeah. Well, no, they're a lovely bunch of lads. Actually, they're probably one of my favourite bands to work for. Yeah. Which is quite nice because I've worked for him for quite a while now. So they're cool. They're um, our old stage manager. He's quit. He's retired now. He uh, he was in First Blood for a while. There's oh a shit! Hardcore man. connection oh, yeah. there. That's kind of cool. But then man. yeah, I think yeah. he had a big fight with Carl, and they beat each other up, and then he's not in the band anymore. Oh right, so <laughs> <laughs> sheep's dropping some bombs, man. <laughs> get so Sweatfest, man. Let's get back to hardcore Sweatfest. You doing one this year? Nah. <laughs> so for those that don't know, sheep. Uh, used to do a festival called Sweatfest. I think you done two, right? You done one last year. Well, I mean, originally I did it. Like my first one was like two thousand and one or something. And oh, did, was it that long yeah, ago? Yeah, yeah. I did. I did them back in the day, and then, uh, like two or th- well, th- it'd be three years ago now, or be- before three years ago. There weren't really any fests going on in London. Um, this was before Ready Eye, sort of you know started taking things over and, and eddie down at new cross there weren't much going on obviously ninja fest was sort of dead and not coming back so i was like oh well i'll do a fest then cool there's, there's not like one going on so it's, it's always cool to have a fest going you know like nice focal point for the year so i did i did two and uh and they were cool and then I, I just knew I couldn't do one because it would have been happening probably like next weekend because I, I chose to do it in January, which is an awkward time of year to do a festival, but it's normally my, one of my least busy months. So I can like guarantee that I'm not going to be on tour because yeah, I can't organize a festival and then not be there to 
do it on the day because I'm working elsewhere. So I, I picked January for that reason. And then um, I knew that I was going to be away in January working and I've been away for the last three months. So it's impossible to... So I knew I just wasn't going to be around to be able to do a proper job. Yeah, yeah. And then the other reason I wasn't asked about doing it was that Ready Eye have suddenly started smashing it out of the park <sighs> and then it's not me he's famously rich <laughs> <laughs> turf wars man no 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 it's, for, it's fantastic I, I love it because I don't want to do a festival yeah they do amazing I was job, only man. doing it because there weren't one and yeah. if Ready Eye are going to be banging them out and then obviously Eddie's doing Upsurge up and Downsurge and yeah, he's been getting yeah, some yeah. banging bands as well yeah, yeah. No. Like, shout out and, to them and Ola's now and um, Damage Done there as well she's been doing it for a couple of years was yeah. it Damage Done last year or is it has she always been doing it Damage Done or has it just been changed like this year the name of it but anyway she's whatever there's there's, there's loads of yeah. fest now whereas like three three and a bit years ago there weren't and so now there's I don't feel the need to do it um, especially if I know I can't do a good job because I'm going to be away too much in, in the run up to it and then also probably the, the you know the week, weekend of the festival itself so I was just like well I'm not going to do one 2020 and then it'd be nice if I could I'd like to do one uh, if I can find the right bands for it as well because obviously the 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 two years I'd done like 2019 and 2018 they were sort of quite reunion heavy the lineups bands that maybe people haven't had a chance to see or might not and I don't want to completely focus on the 90s and it being only like an old band thing but it would be nice to have that as an element of it and get decent headliners and that so we'll see if I can sort something out for 2021 uh, I'll definitely do it again it's not done I just couldn't do it this year I was just a bit like just quickly to touch on that when you're talking about bands and that and the older heads and the older crowd and stuff when the breaking plays I mean I didn't really know too much about the breaking I'll admit I think as I got into hardcore they're really good man yeah the set they played was really good but as I got into hardcore, it was a band that was out, but I'd never got into it. I was into the, obviously the oh, Russian yeah. sound and that. But there was a, a lot of people weird. at the show, like, who I remember, like, you know when you see a face and you're like, I remember seeing this dude when I, like, back in the day when I got into it. So it was really cool to see a lot of people who, especially from the Kent scene, on that Friday at the Ready Fest that we've done yeah. recently. So, like, yeah. That it's was good that you bring that up because I'm actually fucking pissed at you guys about the breaking. Oh, I yeah. tried so hard to get them. <laughs> I was messaging them all the time going, oh, you should play. And they're like, oh, maybe. And I was like, and they're eventually like, oh, we can't do it. And then if you guys fucking announce, I'm like, you bastards. <laughs> Ready, I fist, like, man. If, you go, if you're going to fucking come back got- and do a reunion... Are you going to do it for, lads? Me or fucking Ready Eye? <laughs> I've got to thank Rich for that, mate. Rich fucking done some good work with that, yeah, He got on his knees, did he? <laughs> <laughs> Last orders are at a bar near you right now. But they've also just put out a split with Postal on Ruction Records. Find it at ruction.com and all your usual streaming sites. Well, go on. Well, we're running out of time, man. I've got two quick questions I want to do to wrap this up, man. Yes, yes. And one of the questions we have to talk... We can't end this podcast without mentioning some of the newer bands from up north or the bands that have been holding it down this newer generation. What's some of your favourite bands? I know you do a lot of work with Higher Power. Do you like... I see you promoting stuff for them and... (laughs) I I drove them on tour uh, in the summer because none of them could drive and the driver pulled out oh, so they, they, needed, they needed a driver so I did it and I was a, a lovely bunch of lads um, obviously a higher power is kind of doing really well going out to America the new album's about to drop um, oh cool I fucking love the flex 
Yeah, yeah, the yeah. The flex yeah. are fucking great. They don't pay that much, um, though, do they? No, but no. I wish they did because they're bloody brilliant. Um, to be honest, I'm probably the worst person to ask about up and coming yeah. stuff because I spend. 70% of my year away shit. and I miss oh, well, most yeah, of yeah, all yeah, of yeah. the shows um, Simon keeps telling me I need to listen to the new Cauldron apparently that's banging the last 10 years I, I will suck the dick of repentance non-stop that's the- <laughs> <laughs> honest to god I think they're, they're probably one of the best bands to come out of this country in a very very long time I oh, love wow, okay. repentance I'm bummed they're not playing anymore and hopefully they will do a reunion at some point I reckon they probably this is not me trying to endorse or going oh I reckon and then they nah yeah. but at some point I think Repentance will definitely come back it's just one of those things that will call for it and they should as do you said like they shouldn't leave it too long though because if they do then everyone that liked them when they were around will fall out of the scene and then no one will come you should yeah. do it do it now boys do it now <laughs> yeah. Whilst the vegan edge is getting strong as well, like yeah. fucking great times, especially a reunion show. Well, yeah. I don't like to call it a reunion because it's not. It doesn't even feel like long ago since they broke up, innit? Well, what was the last show they played? Was it that? 2015? Was it? I think. Yeah. 2015, carry the weight, or maybe it was that's what's going to say. Carry the weight. Maybe first. 2016. Did they play the last? I didn't go, but did they play the last carry the weight? Or no, they didn't play that. I think it was the year before. They before that, up, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh, I can't remember. It, it was at Tunbridge Wells Forum. I remember that. Um, yeah, they're good. But this, I mean, there's a wealth of well, so great bands, bands that, like, yeah, that so are long many. established. You know, like Split Knuckle holding it down for Essex. Yeah, yeah. yeah Renounced yeah, are doing are doing you know big things. Yeah, you know, they're, they're going places. They're, back, back they're doing a lot of stuff. Yeah, I see um, that. There's a lot, a lot of people. You know. With, with the drive and doing stuff with the bands it's cool because you remember like 15 20 years ago like a band going out to tour europe was like a big thing yeah, you know? like it, yeah. And, and and then like these days it, it ain't a thing you know there's so many bands that go out and do loads of stuff you yeah know? it's like, great to see man. renounced they've got vatican supporting them on there you know they've got an american band supporting them which is yeah, kind of yeah, cool yeah, yeah, obviously yeah. usually the other way around yeah 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 so that's nice that that yeah that that is man that is fucking amazing to see man, and uh, but Steve's nodding at me because I'm running out of time. So yeah, unfortunately, after we got one last, more question, we can do one more. Yeah, yeah, I reckon we can fit in one more. Quickly. This was uh, Lewis's Lewis Lewis's Lewis can't with this like this question. So, what are your top five albums ever? Ones that you say you would say shaped you as a person. Changed your life, or maybe not just albums. Made you the man you are well. today. You maybe could mix it bands and albums. You it's say. tough. I mean, yeah. Right, I'm going to leave the non-hardcore stuff out of it because this is a hardcore podcast. We're yeah, just yeah. About no, but we can, you can include it. Yeah, include, uh, we'll make it a top ten and non-hardcore. Then, all right, Madonna. <laughs> all right, here we go. Chronolo- chronological order: Nirvana. Like, oh, actually, really? no, if yeah. we go, if we're going really yeah. chronological, chronological order, Spin Doctors. If you <laughs> want to buy me, man. Exactly. First I band, know one song. The, the, the first band that I ever got into, like, you know, I bought all their albums, listened to them nonstop forever. Um, Spin Doctors and Nirvana was a huge, huge thing for me. Obviously, yeah, I got I massively into, into grunge. Uh, Rage Against the Machine, which yeah. Yeah. was the start of a political awakening for me. Like, that was the first time I was hearing about a lot of the topics that they sing about. And it was a game changer. Um, after that, you're probably looking at Chokehold. Chokehold. Like, they were one of the, yes. one of the first bands I got into, hardcore-wise, and, like, their Thanks lyrics and everything yeah. definitely had a massive, massive impact on me. Um, did they play... They played back in... Did they play London? 
They play uh, no, UK. No, not back in the day. They they played Sweatfest. Uh, that's it. Yeah, Sweatfest, and you put them on. Yes. Yeah, that's, but the singer yeah. fell downstairs like three days before and broke all. And the you had to sing. So yeah, me and yeah, a few people you sang. Had to sing. It, yes. it was kind of cool, but kind of yeah. not. Like I would much rather have seen the, yeah the yeah. full band properly. But then again, if you were told sixteen year old sheep one day you're gonna sing like half For a chokehold set out of that was sick. But I clearly wouldn't have done as good a job as he would have, so it would have been better to see He fell down the stairs? Yeah, he fell down, at least like icy because it's winter over there. Yeah, ain't one of them, you know what, I can't bother to go. Just just tell him I fell down the stairs. No, he proper, like, he he cracked like four of his ribs and he weren't allowed to fly. Oh, shit. So hopefully they'll come back and I can actually, because I still don't really count it as having seen them play because obviously I didn't, Yeah, you know, like, not really. It wasn't the real thing. It was, Um, but it wasn't. Other stuff, all-time, all-time greats. Satisfaction is the death of desire. Hate you, breeds, yeah. Mate. You just can't. It's just a perfect album. Like, uh, even though that band's gone significantly downhill, that album. Like, if I had a time machine, I could go back. Uh, the list of shows I'd want to see, I'd love to see them play like Connecticut or somewhere, like yeah, 96, yeah. 97, just when that album dropped and like them at the peak before all the Grebos started going. I still think some of their stuff's quite good, to be honest, but yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, it's not, not as terrible. Good as, as the older stuff, it's the not, first even, the mu- it's not even the music, it's just got to see them now. It's just like loads of metalheads and yeah, I know, and you, you can't yes, mosh because yeah, you'll get into a yeah, fight yeah, and then yeah. the stage presence is all very sort of like mainstream metal kind of orientated yeah. it doesn't feel like the you have the genuine sort of interaction that you get with hardcore yeah, bands monster energy they're, they're, they're a metal band that's fine yeah. but I still you know Satisfaction is still an album that that's, gets yeah. regular rotation uh, Jimmy Eat World are like probably one of my all time favourite oh, bands I know this shit. just like yeah. easier to listen to indie whatever emo indie stuff um, yeah. love Jimmy Eat World uh, Weezer what? The first two Weezer records, the Blue Album and Pinkerton, mate. Ah, uh, see, Abs- see. What? <laughs> Why? You, you're going to sit here and shame me for listening to Weezy Jay-Z knockoff. Fuck off. <laughs> I love it. Got it in. We, Weezer and Mint, and that's the end of it. I mean, I haven't listened to an album since Pinkerton, but the first two albums are untouchable. Wow. I've never, even, I've never even checked I don't know. Out. I didn't count. Um, but it's plenty. Yeah, that's about ten. I was waiting. Oh, no, 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 no! Wait, 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 wait! Go on. Wait, one, 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 one shameless one. I, I'm, I'm not even going to look at you when I say this. Time won't heal this. Ah, uh, uh, give me a kiss, guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just you know, you can fuck off for a second. But that album uh. is still absolutely untouchable, and what it did for the scene. Oh, and, and everything it, like it, it doesn't it doesn't like you, just on the music sense it would still be in the top absolutely but if you look at it as a whole and how influential it was to to like my generation of hardcore kid and what mm. that did it's I mean that's why I asked you to play it in full it still does it's relevant and it's just really fresh like. yeah um, so that's that's absolutely a top one for me as well nah I appreciate it it means a lot especially coming like from yourself man do you know what I mean it means a lot man just before we just before we wrap this up, and I know you're you're gonna laugh, maybe, maybe not, but while we're talking about influential musicians, I wanna say R.I.P. Mr. Neil Pert from Rush, who's probably one of the greatest lyricists, greatest musicians of all time, who died a few days back. Oh well, it's in peace, man. So old very you? sad day for uh for myself and millions of other people. No, yeah, it was actually sad, kind of sad. interesting looking at all people's tributes. Josh done a lot of tributes on Facebook and that. And um, I don't, obviously I don't know much about Rush, but 
I was just checking the dude out and I was looking at his drum kit and I was like, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, big, big <laughs> drum kit, didn't he? Hell, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's he, definitely, he like, I, I've never cared for Rush or anything, but the number of people that really, really cared about him dying was, yeah, was huge. Man. Uh, that caught no, me by sad. surprise. I didn't realise that would be such a big deal. I've, I'm, I often find that like grieving over a celebrity, I always find it a little bit ridiculous, but I've been fucking gutted, man. I've been really gutted. Uh, just one more thing, sir. Did you, uh, did you vote in the election? Yeah. Who do you, do you mind saying who you voted for? Labour. We had a, we had a podcast the last one, Xmas one, and yeah. we was basically, Lewis made a point, do you want to, about Labour losing uh, a lot of votes from up north? Yeah, yeah, they lost a lot of traditional uh, we, we, I don't want to speak for him, but he had a point of view regarding it. What is yours? Why do you think they lost all these seats? Quickly, and then we're in the it's, podcast. Yeah, we ain't, we ain't got Mate, much Mate, it's such a complicated issue to try and throw in yeah. a quick yeah. question this, at the this, end. This this like, here, so it'd be it, good to hear. I think Brexit has obviously played a big part in it because there's there's definitely a percentage of Labour voters that are pro-Brexit and they will have switched because, you know, Labour, yeah. Labour was saying they were going to have a second referendum and people were worried about the uh, outcome of a second referendum. And so if you are people, I think, were willing to abandon partisan lines, traditional voting lines, to get Brexit done. A certain exactly. percentage of those. And I think that's... I don't know if that's the only reason because there's obviously been a lot of division within... The, I'm not a massive Labour fan. I, I don't really like Labour, but... <laughs> Yeah, but compare them to the Tories, you know what I mean? That's like, you know, would you rather have your dick chopped off or your little finger chopped off? You know what I mean? That's <laughs> that's the kind of choice I see. Like, they're not great, but they're they're a million times better than the than the Tories. So, yeah, I think w- without Brexit as a backdrop to the election, I don't think the Tories would have got the majority that they did. Yeah, but I you, agree. You, you've all, and, you, um, we basically pretty much said that there has been a lot of talk. Uh, about the fact that postal votes doubled for this election and there seemed to be a lot of very um, senior people in the media and the Tory party that knew the results of the postal votes. So there's a bit of a conspiracy theory going around at the moment that there's some rigging happening or happened in that election. I'm going to leave it there because it is one minute to ten and we've got to fucking pack up. I see, man. (laughs) I want to thank you so much for coming down. We know you're flying off again tomorrow. Yeah, and thanks for having me, man. You're it's been a true fun. friend, man. Shared some amazing stories, and uh, I wish it was going on longer. Cause I got I got loads more questions, but right. yeah, I'll have me back next year. We'll yeah, definitely, man. Part two next year. Next year, I mean, this year <laughs> it's January, lads. Next year, yeah. Oh, next year, okay, next year then. Yeah, we've got a year to go. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can have too much of a good thing, Wayman, can't you? Yeah, <laughs> you, know, you got to give time, everyone, time to recover. Yo, see, yeah. thank you, man, and uh, good night. Good night. All right. Fuck Arsenal. You're listening to the Everyone But Us podcast Straight from the heart of London